Good morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you involve us by making us your disciples and by calling on us to in turn make disciples of others. We ask, please, today that you would teach us how it is that disciples are made, that we might know for ourselves how to grow and that we might know for others how to bring them to the Lord Jesus and to maturity. Amen. When I was a young boy, uh, I did gymnastics. There you go. You, uh, you dress up in a leotard and you, you do the hey and the whoo and the... Uh, it was good fun. I, I, I wasn't too bad at it. I was kind of all right. Uh, my, my biggest claim to fame was the ability to do a triple front flip on the trampoline. You kind of in the air, one, two, three, and back down again. Uh, something that my, my, my teacher couldn't do. My mentor himself wasn't able to do. He knew, he knew the theory. He knew how you did it, but he couldn't do it himself. Now, I was reflecting on how it was that I became an apprentice gymnast. How was it that I became a disciple of whatever his name was? I don't know, it's lost in time now. And how was it that I grew? Now, becoming a disciple, uh, becoming a gymnast was really a very easy process. You arrived, you signed up, you signed all the disclaimers, and then you paid them some money. Becoming that sort of a disciple was an easy thing. But then growing as a disciple was a completely different task to becoming one. Becoming one was sign a bit of paper. Growing as one required training and strengthening and conditioning and working on your fitness and your flexibility and learning the skills needed and the ability to be able to do these flips. It required a whole lot of jumping backwards. Just jump backwards over and over and over and over again until one day you start to lose your fear of it and then you can start jumping backwards and putting your head into awkward positions and then eventually you find that all of a sudden you can jump backwards and flip and you can, and you just grow and develop and... How are disciples made when we speak of the Lord Jesus Christ? And once they are made, how do they grow? Is it like my days as a gymnast where you kind of change, you do one thing to come in the door and then what you do is completely different? Now, again, casting your mind back over the last four weeks so far, we have done why are we disciples who make disciples? What is a disciple and what is a disciple who makes disciples? And today we're talking about how are disciples made? We're going to come back to that question later in the term as well, just so that you know. But for today, we're going to do the big picture of it. How is it the disciples are made? And, and this matters to you for two reasons. Firstly, because this is how you are going to grow as a disciple. You need to know how a disciple's made if you know, if you are to know how you are going to grow and mature and develop and become able to do the triple front flip of being a disciple, whatever the equivalent is. But you also need to know for the sake of others and being able to make disciples of others and grow them, becoming and maturing. And I have four Ps. Uh, once again, I was clearly in worksheet writing mode, and so you have on your handout some blank spaces. And uh, by the end of today, I, I really will want you to do a little bit of writing in your handout. So it's worth A, having your handout, and B, having something to write with. Uh, I don't know if there's still a box of pencils up the back there, Kathy. Is there still one on the, on the bench there? There's a pen. If anyone needs a pen, first hands up, gets it off Kathy. In fact, there should be 
in the pew in front of you a tiny little box and that should have pencil, a pencil or a pen in it. So if you really need one, you know, most, most of them have been stolen, but some of them you can find. All right, here we go. These are the four P's, the four ways in which disciples of Jesus are made. And I want you to be thinking for yourself and then for others. Number one, the proclamation of God's word. Disciples are made by the proclamation of... Now, big words, okay? To find four words that start with P, you had to use bigger ones. This just means speaking the Bible to each other. Speaking God's stuff to one another. It's not hard. Christianity is very different to to, to any sort of self-help system. It's not even a system at its heart of morals and directions. The very basic message of Christianity is of a relationship The revelation of God himself to us. God making himself known. It's good news that transforms. And so at its heart, Christianity is to walk the path behind Jesus, listening to him. It's a relationship that brings salvation. Yes, it brings eternity in heaven. Yes, and that in itself would be worth it. But it also then brings, because of this relationship, fulfillment and joy and satisfaction. It brings the good life. Sorry, just to be clear, by the way. By good life, I don't necessarily mean easy life. I don't necessarily mean wealthy life. I don't necessarily mean good in terms of what we would say good. But it is the best life because it is the life lived God's way. We are not a social club. Now, maybe you come on a Sunday and you enjoy hanging out with some people. Uh, Some are a bit nicer than others. And so you like hanging out with the nice ones and you put up with ones that aren't that nice. But, you know, at least once a week, you... you (laughs) At least once a week you have an outing and then once a month we have tea and toast and it's lovely and then you're in Ken and Melinda's Bible study group and they go to different people's houses and every now and then you get to go to Val's house and you get an amazing supper put on and right and you're just, isn't it lovely? Well, that's very true, but that's not what we are. We are God's people saved by him and matured by his word. It was there in our passage in Acts chapter 2. Now, if you're in Ephesians, come back to Acts 2 for a moment. Uh, I've got it on page 1056. Acts chapter 2, sorry, 1057, because we're going to go from verse 37. Listen to the very beginning of the church. The very first disciples that were made after Jesus resurrected and ascended. After Jesus left, this is how they were made. Peter has stood up in the midst of this crowd And spoken the word of God to them. He's proclaimed the message about Jesus with a whole lot of implications built into it. And then by verse 37, he says this. When the people heard this, when they heard the word of God, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Become disciples of Jesus. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise that is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. With many words he warned them and he pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message and were baptized were about 3,000 who were added that day. 
It began that way and it hasn't changed. How are disciples made? By the proclamation of God's word. You speak this word as we, uh, we read in 2 Timothy 3.16 that is useful for teaching and correcting and rebuking and training and equipping the man of God for every good work. It's interesting as you go through Acts, you can look it up later, 4.31, 11.15, 13.52, the whole way through it, doesn't matter if you missed those verses, right? The word of the Lord spread, the word of the Lord grew. Chapter 14, Acts 14 verse 21, Acts 14 verse 21 says, they preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. How is it that disciples are made Someone, somewhere, preaches the word. Now I hope, as, as Joe asked that question and you spoke with one another, that the word of God was kind of central and foremost. Someone, somewhere, whether it's you with the Bible and God can be kind that way, or whether somebody spoke it to you and told you, God is real, God is there, God calls on you. But note that it's not just the beginning. See, unlike being a gymnast, the way you mature is the same way that you started. It's the same word. Right, in, in that Acts 14 passage, they preached the good news, they won the disciples, and then strengthened them and encouraged them to remain true to this same faith. It is the same word. It is this it is God's revelation of himself to us that will mature us as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you stop and think about yourself for a moment, it was, it was helpful exercise to reflect on the beginning of your journey. What about your journey now? Do you, as a disciple of Jesus, expect growth and maturity to come about because you soak yourself in the word of God? Or have you laid it aside? Well, that was for back then. I kind of know it now. I don't need it anymore. I've moved on. How do you think and expect to grow maturity in the people around you? In others who you are involved in discipling? Now, there's lots of things we can do. And there's lots of good things we can do. It's good to listen to people's problems and help them try and solve them. It's good to provide practical care and assistance and be there when someone needs you. It is good to wrestle with issues of life. and They are all brilliant things to do, but are you committed to putting the Word of God into their lives? Whether it's sitting down to read the Bible together or something as simple as just talking. got in the habit recently, this was left over from last year's Bible study group, of sending an SMS message to half a dozen guys when I read the Bible in the morning. This is what I read today, this is the passage I read, here's one thing that stood out for me. And at the end, a little question, have you read the Bible today? That's just, are you committed to doing that? Is this how you make disciples, proclaiming the word of God? Do you preach the gospel? Again, big words. What does it mean? Preach the gospel. It means talk about the things of God. 
Remind people, Jesus died for you. God loves you. You are made in the image of God. The world is evil. We are sinful of our own. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to get us through life. You've got to be reading your Bible and pray. You need to depend upon God. It doesn't matter. Pick whatever the topic is. Pick whatever bit of the Bible you're reading and share it with them. And this is true whether they are Christian or not. Because it is the same word that brings someone to faith and grows them in that faith. Now, it might change a little bit. I, I, I don't know that somebody who is completely antagonistic to the Bible and just doesn't know anything at all about God's ways would be particularly edified necessarily by the same things that you might say to a Christian. You, you be, be wise about how you share it. Be considerate in what you are sharing with people. If you remember last week, using tongues to build up and to edify. But at the very heart of it must be the proclamation of God's word. I've got a picture to illustrate it. I like this picture, uh, partly because it's, got the, it's, it's the Bible, but partly because it's a little kid reading it. And that's us. In utter dependence. Disciples who are growing and maturing still, dependent upon the word. How are disciples of Jesus made? Firstly, through the proclamation of God's word. Talking God's stuff. Secondly, how are disciples of Jesus made? Through prayerful dependence on the spirit of God. See, if... If discipleship depends on the word, then we must depend on the spirit. For he is the one who takes what would otherwise be merely human words and makes them God's word in our hearts, in our lives. You can read the Bible as an atheist and not meet God. You can read the Bible as an intellectual exercise and not have it transform you. We must, we must be prayerfully dependent upon the Spirit of God to take this word and turn it into fire that will cut us to the very hearts. Again, back in Acts chapter 2, wasn't it interesting that Peter said, as he, uh, in verse 38, as he's talking to that crowd, he says, repent and be baptized and you too will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It, in one sense, this is what it's all about. He says, you too can have what we have. And it comes through this gift that you are to receive. What is it that we are seeing right now, they say? You are seeing the promise that in the last days, the Spirit of God would be poured out upon everybody. And filled with the Spirit, we might proclaim the word of God. In Acts chapter 4, when they're meeting and praying together, verse 31... This little verse, Acts chapter 4, verse 31. After they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did they do as a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit? Spoke the word of God boldly. We depend upon him in prayer. We must ask God to do it. Now again, for you as a disciple, as you expect to grow and to learn and to mature and to develop, are you 
dependent. It's so easy to be independent. Or to think we can be anyway. To just carry on by our own efforts. It's pointless to be honest. Without God's work, it'll just wash right over. Prayerful for yourself. And so therefore, as you think of discipling others, are you prayerful for others? How much do you pray for people? There's no answer to how to pray other than discipline, I don't think. Ah, but it's just, it's hard, yes. I don't have time, make time. I don't know what to pray, talk to people, ask them, what can I pray for? I... There's, there's, a, there's a joy that comes from praying. So it's one of those weird activities. It is so good to do. So why is it so hard? If you said to me, do you want to eat a kilo tub of ice cream? I say, sure, sure, that's delicious. Give it to me. Where's a spoon, right? I'll just go straight from there. That's a great thing to do. That'll do me a lot of harm anyway. I mean, it's not a good thing for me. I just I delight in it. I enjoy it. Prayer is both of those things. It's delightful and enjoyable and good for us and yet we struggle so much because we are proud and we are independent and we don't really believe that we need God to do it because we can do it, right? Disciples grow in prayerful dependence on the Holy Spirit. Here's my picture for this one. I like it because there's that attitude of I must grab on. I mean, that, that kid's on his knees, right? That's, that's prayerful. Gazing up at somebody lovingly, adoringly. My kid's kind of dragging them along. And that's almost how God ends up working in us. It's kind of dragging us along despite ourselves. How are disciples made in prayerful dependence upon the Holy Spirit? Thirdly, how are disciples made? Well, disciples are made by people. As God's fellow workers. Disciples are made by people as God's fellow workers. God has chosen to use you. Now, I, I kind of can't do this without stealing a bit of Joe's thunder for next week. Sorry, brother. But um, you can come back and do it again. Next week is who makes disciples? <laughs> the answer is all of us. If you've been sitting there so far for the last five weeks thinking to yourself, ah, that's a lovely series, but who cares because it's the pastor's job to make disciples. Sorry, that's not true. God has chosen from the very beginning, God has chosen to use people. It's astonishing. I mean, he could, he could just do some miraculous, supernatural fiery sky writing he could do he could make all the volcanoes in the world erupt at once and all of them spew forth a message in balloon writing he could choose to use every donkey in the world start talking at once and proclaim the glories of his son he he could do any of those things and more and instead from the very beginning he went to a man named Moses, who wasn't very good at public speaking, and said to Moses, go and stand before the most powerful ruler in the world and say to him, let my people go. He used people. And he uses people even now. One person telling another person 
the gospel, the good news. God has entered into our world in Jesus to bring you back to him. That was there in our Ephesians passage. Ephesians chapter 4. If you want to look it up, look it up. Ephesians 4 verse 11. Ephesians 4. It says, right, it was he, it was Christ who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. And we're thinking, yes, they are the workers. Isn't it great of God to give those people to us? Well, what's their job? Verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service, that the body of Christ might be built up. We make disciples, all of us together. Uh, Your story, how did you become a disciple? most likely involves other people. Whether it was your grandmother and your mother, whether it's the preacher at the front of church or the people you meet in in church, in the pews and afterwards, whether it was your parents, like in my case, whether it was your scripture teacher, how many people have I met who say to me 20 years after they were in scripture, I remember Miss So-and-so who taught me about Jesus and 15 years later I remembered And I became a Christian. You think, how good is that? People. A youth group leader. A kids church leader. An older sibling. A mentor. When I was in high school, uh, the last two years I was in Australia on my own. My family was still in Argentina. Uh, So I was a a boarder, 15,000 kilometres away from my parents. Kind of struggling, new faith. And what do I do in this new life that I'm living now? And there was a young guy... Uh, I, I wouldn't have known him from a bar of soap. I knew, I knew his name, I knew his family, but his wife was tutoring one afternoon a week at the school I was at, and so he decided that for the hour she was tutoring, he would come with her, and he would take me, and we would just walk the grounds of the school, and we'd just talk about God stuff and Jesus and faith and school and life and people. And so for yourself, I want you to think for a moment, who is discipling you? Be the recipient for a moment. If it's people who are prayerfully dependent upon the Spirit of God and proclaim the Word of God into your life, who is discipling you? Now, at the very least, I hope you already have two people that you can immediately think of. There's your pastor. There's your pastor. Easy, right? Big picture. I can take that one. That's easy. And your small group leader. Again, easy one to tick those two. And for some of you, that might be the same person. But, you know, you only get one. Who's discipling you? Who's building you up? Who is edifying you with the word of God? No, but I already became a Christian. I don't need someone anymore. Rubbish. And conversely, who are you discipling? Who are you being intentionally, prayerfully proclaiming? Whose life are you bringing before the Lord God Almighty to say, God, please, please bring them to the Lord Jesus and mature them. Now I'm going to go and tell them about Jesus, brother or sister in Christ or not. Proclamation, prayer, people. I've got a picture for this one too. There you go. I couldn't think of a funny one. So we just went with fellow workers instead. Someone plants, someone waters. Someone lays form work and someone else pours concrete. Someone else stares at the camera. That's right. That's good council workers. Right? No, <coughs> sorry, I shouldn't bag out our leaders. They're good on them. Uh, 
fellow workers. Now, slightly different because the gardener is the better illustration because we can plant and water and all the rest, but God gives the growth, right? That's... Fourthly, how are disciples made? By persevering step by step. It's overwhelming in some ways to be told that your job is to make disciples of Jesus. And you just go, what? How can I possibly do that? I mean, that's, you're talking about someone's entire life and, and, and changing them from being something to being something completely different. And, oh. But all we have to think about is, what's the next step? Just step by step by step. Gonna, we have to know people. You've got to know these people that you are thinking of discipling. Where are they at? And how can they move one step closer? Just one little step closer towards maturity in the Lord Jesus Christ. That might mean one little step closer towards becoming a Christian. Or one step closer towards learning to serve and be generous and love and all the things that come with Christian maturity. It's going to take time. There's no real way around it. And it's okay. We've got time. This is life. This is life as a disciple of Jesus is discipling others. It's your life for the rest of it. There's no rush. It's not a job to finish and tick off so that I can move on to the next thing. This is who we are. This is what we do. We are disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus. That is our identity. And so learn to think about people what is the next step for this person? Right? Someone who is utterly antagonistic to the gospel, who is as far away as you could humanly speaking be from the kingdom of God. And you think, how can I help them be one step closer to being a disciple? Maybe where I need to begin is to have one interaction with them where they come away positive about a Christian. One little step. Just one conversation where I just say to them something about God in a way that is gentle and understanding and listening and caring for them such that they walk away thinking, ah, oh, maybe Christians aren't that bad after all. Hey, just that's it, one, one tiny little step. And the next time I come across them, I think, well, we've had that one little step. Maybe I'd like them to know that there's lots of Christians that aren't that bad. I'm going to invite them to my place and a Christian friend and they're going to spend some time together. And, and so he's going to go, oh, actually, you know what? I know two Christians that aren't that bad. It's just the one next little step. Your Christian friend who's a baby Christian and they're still wrestling with a whole lot of things in their life and you could come down and just go, don't, 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 don't. But you think, no, I just want to help them one little step. Do you know what will help them more than anything else? Is learning to read the Bible. So that one next little step is just going to be get together one time and do a little bit of reading together. And then the next step is that we'll get together for four weeks and do a bit more reading together. Do you get what I'm driving at? Step by step. But you've got to persevere. It will take time and it will take intentionality. I don't even know what picture I have for persevering. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you're going to face plan. You're going to fail. It's going to be hard. There's going to be steps backwards. But you persevere, step by step by step. How are disciples of Jesus made? The proclamation of God's word, prayerful dependence upon his spirit. People, as God's fellow workers, persevering step by step. So I'm right now going to steal a little bit more of Joe's thunder. 
And I really want you, for next week that is, I really want you to pay attention to this next bit. So I have, I think, a cartoon to get your attention, because everyone pays attention to cartoons. I don't know if this one's any good, right? It's this, the, the, the help desk guy, and he's saying, try rebooting your modem, turn it off, wait 10 hours and turn it back on again, and by that time I'll be off duty and it'll be someone else's problem. <clears throat> Ah, yeah, it's a bit of a laugh. Actually, I picked that on purpose because isn't that so often what we think about disciple making, isn't it? <laughs> it's someone else's problem. It's a big church. There's lots of people here. Someone else will do it. That's not true, is it? If you are not committed to making disciples of Jesus, are you even a disciple of Jesus? Here's a question I want to ask you. Are you content with your Christian maturity? Don't stop and think for a moment. Let think about your life. I hope you can tell that it's a loaded question. I'll tell you there's one of three answers, right? Yes. I'm doing pretty good right now. By God's kindness and God's mercy... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm growing in the fruits of the Spirit. My Bible reading is going well. I'm prayerfully dependent upon Him. My heart is full of love for others. I'm being generous. I'm, I'm content with my Christian maturity right now. I suspect that for most of us, the answer is a bit. <laughs> yes, and then some areas, not really so much at all. And then some of us will be thinking, no, not really, not at all. I, I'm feeling a long way from anywhere. All right, well, here's the answer. And the formatting didn't quite work. But if you answered yes, or if you answered a bit, then you really need to be discipling someone. In fact, we as a body need you to be discipling someone. If you are not, then we as a body are sick and injured by that. Even if you're thinking, well, I'm only a little bit content. Can I, can I go more towards the no end now that you've told me that? Well, even if there are some areas of your life where you're content in your maturity, brilliant, go and share that with someone. Tell them where you're at and how the word of God has worked in you. Bring them with you to maturity in that area. And then if you're in the a bit to the no kind of camp, then you need to be discipled. You need someone who is with you working, walking along this path. Actually, to be honest, all three need to be discipled because you never really get to yes. <laughs> It's a slightly lying graph. You never really get there. We had someone who shared last week at Night Church how they, when they were a young Christian, really wished that there'd been somebody that they could just walk up to and say, can you please help me work out this Christian life stuff? And he decided that he was going to be that person for those who came after him. Is that you? So... Here's the bit where you need to write something down. You'll see there's space there. There's you in the middle. And I want you to pick two names. Two people from church. If you're really, really struggling, you're allowed to not write them down right now. But you know what? Joe's coming back to preach next week about whose job it is. And you know he's going to come back here again. Right, Joe? Right? Who is discipling you? with the word of God, with prayer, with intentional perseverance. And you know what? You're allowed to go and ask people. You are allowed to walk up to somebody, I'm giving you permission today, and say, can you please disciple me? 
And who are you going to disciple? You're also allowed to walk up to somebody and say, Hi, I'd really love to disciple you for a while. Do you want to do it? Start with one. One person. And this is what I want you to do. After you've written your names down... I'll give, you, I'll give you another minute in a moment if you still need to think. But just think for a moment. If only half of our church did this, if just half of the people sitting here picked one person to disciple them and one person to disciple, we would cover the entire church easily. I hope you're feeling uncomfortable, by the way. Because there's moments like these where we're reminded that there are no passengers at church. Again, we're not a social club. We're not a... a it's not a bus. We are disciple-making disciples. Right, what are you going to do about it with those names? Well, I want to tell you two things to do. The first one is to start praying for them. That's, that's easy. That's simple. You can start today. Small group leaders this week, get your group to pray for those people. And don't stop praying. Keep praying through the rest of this term. The two names, the person that I would really love to disciple me and then the person that I want to disciple and uh, can, I, can I ask that you don't all write Joe or me for who you want to disciple you, please? Um, that, that would be challenging. And then, in the coming weeks, I mean, here's one easy thing that you could start. Say to that person, do you want to meet up eight times? And we're going to read half a chapter of Colossians each time. That's it. Just read it, talk about it, pray for each other. Done. Now, we're going to come back to this in a couple of weeks' time and, and Joe's going to have some uh, much more, I don't know if practical is the right word, details, step-by-step ideas for how to do this discipling. But at its heart, this is what we do. Speak the word of God, pray, knowing that we are the ones that God uses to make disciples and persevere in each other's lives. And if we do that, then under God we will grow. As his body, we will flourish. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have involved us in this great disciple-making work. We thank you that it is by your word that you have already given us. We don't have to come up with material. Teach us to depend on you in prayer, to know this as your word, powerful and transforming. Father, We ask that you would shake us out of apathy and laziness and instead that you would give us the ability, the discipline to involve ourselves in each other's lives in discipling relationships. We ask that this would be the beginning, Father, of a whole bunch of excellent disciple-making. And we ask this for your glory, Father, that your body might continue to grow. Amen.